Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. I can actually hear you getting fatter. These things are amazing. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is uh, Father John. You can probably guess the guy across from me here. What are you eating exactly? Folks. Why are you eating exactly? I don't want to make the people who are currently listening to the podcast waiting out Hurricane Harvey jealous, but as of right now, I am chowing on a bag of <laughs> Bucky's Beaver Nuggets. <laughs> Bucky's Beaver Nuggets. Beaver Nuggets. These things are amazing. Yeah, I can see you got that smile on your face. Like, uh, yeah, well, Hurricane Harvey people, we we got some nice emails from people saying they're listening. And uh, we're praying for you. Do they have internet right now? I maybe they had them downloaded. I don't know. Oh. But they just said they got time to kill, so they are um, listening to. It's going to take Father Nathan eating while they're stranded away from their homes. So, look, you guys are awesome. You're going to kick this hurricane's butt, <laughs> and uh, you're going to be eating beaver nuggets in no time. We're in a weird, weird mood tonight because we are reminiscing about scenes from uh, the movie Billy Madison. And uh, ended up listening to the Electric Light Orchestra, Orchestra. which is uh, always will put you in a weird space. Am I allowed to sing it? Up, up, that was it. So this is the kind of thing that we do while we're eating dinner together. And, uh, the strange and mysterious things that happen in Schloss Goebbels. One does not always know. I'm going to give the person who gave these beaver nuggets to me a shout out, but it's going to take a lot of willpower to not keep eating that entire bag during this whole podcast. Do you need to hand it over here? Mortify the flesh? I have never had a flavor like that. You want to try one? It says a lot. Well, I guess. This is Father John's first taste of a beaver nugget. Can you place that taste? No, that's different. It's different. It's different. It's maple. It's caramel. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of like a pancake and a cheese curd. Yeah. Yeah. And caramel uh, popcorn. That's strange. I'll put those away from you because that'll disgust people as we're eating into the podcast. So. Mm. <laughs> Hello, 249th pound. <laughs> Where have you been all my life? Just oh, I wait. Get, uh, I just lost you. That's right. Well done. Yeah, we. Uh, it's been, a, like we said, a strange week here listening to ele- electric light uh, radio. We had no water. Did you talk about that in the last podcast? Nope. We were, nope. They uh, were working on that at the time. I know. Schloss Goebbels. Times are hard here. Okay. Um, can I? Can we say why there's no water? Yeah, sure. Go Do you, have you heard the reason why? No, I don't. So at Schloss Goebbels, there is a certain toilet, the green toilet, that uh, doesn't uh, flush properly. So uh, the um, if you leave the handle vertical it keeps running right if you put it horizontal it stops i have had to explain this to multiple people that uh didn't understand the like science behind flushing toilets and uh they would come out and they'd say your toilet's not flushing i'm like no you didn't have the handle or the person behind you didn't have the handle horizontal you have to wait until it fills up and then it'll be fine okay 
Eventually, I just gave up and I gave, I put a uh, sign on it that says, handle must be vertical, not horizontal. Love Thanks, management. management. <laughs> yeah. And people still do it. Yeah. People still do it. And I said something and then nothing got done. And then eventually, uh, the toilet ran all night. There's and probably some environmentalist that's like super upset And we right lost now. all our water. And we drained the well. We drained the well. We drained the well. Wow. How long does it take to refill a well? Uh, we need some rain. So we have been uh, kind of, if you remember that scene from Happy Gilmore when his caddy's out in the pond, kind of shaving up and lathering up. Yeah, right. Kind of, the last few days have been. But this takes the common life to the next level. They share all things in common. Even well, the last three flushes they have. True. Yeah. Each of the toilet, you get the one last, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what was the other thing? Oh, we were going to swim in the pool, but the night before when I texted Bill, who tends the pool, um, I said, you know, is everything cool with us swimming in the pool? We don't have any water. He said, uh, I pulled out one dead rabbit and one semi-dead rabbit, uh, shocked the pool, put in like chlorine and whatever else. And... Um, and so now, you know. So you've now manifest, you've confessed the fact that Schloss Goebbels has a pool. We, they already knew that. Oh, they already knew that. Okay, I didn't know. I think. Just when they thought our life couldn't get more bourgeois. So Sorry. Fortunately, though, we don't have water, but we had a strong supply of bourbon thanks to our Bourbon and listeners. Buckeyes. Bourbon and Beaver Buckeyes. Nuggets. Living on Beaver Nuggets. Beaver Nuggets. Beaver Nuggets. And uh, yeah, so we got, we got water now. Can I say something real quick? Sure. The entire time, the entire time that we were... Um, uh, the entire time that we were podcasting, Olo and I last time, never did this. Never did what? This. What? The creepy sound thing that it's oh, doing right now. Mm, that sound thing? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, I guess that's Olo's got the magic touch. Speaking of water, did you talk about uh, Father Mike's cell phone making its way into the Mississippi River? <laughs> we were uh, up in Minnesota this weekend saying goodbye to Becca Messel. And had a little reunion with the uh, Bernardi students, the great college kids from Minnesota who are back at uh, St. Thomas. And uh, we walked down by the Mississippi River, looked out over this big cliff, beautiful spot, just outside of the seminary. And uh, we had just said goodbye. (laughs) Don't eat those beaver chips. (laughs) You got to suck on them. That's what I'm going to do. I was told as a child never to chew the host. That's kind of what you're doing now, just kind of letting it dissolve. The, the beaver, beaver nuggets. nuggets. So we're down there. We had just said down in Mississippi. I'm listening. We just said goodbye to Becca. Everybody was dealing with the emotions in different ways, and Father Mike went into this kind of manic state, which was actually really refreshing compared to the depressed state that Andrea and I were in. But he started going into this kind of speech, and he started kind of talking about, you know, Becca, I've she just that, renounced the I've world. Seen that kind and, of, you know that look in his eye, yep. the like kind of like this kind of look. Yep. You know, and uh, we're like, oh, what's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? And um, he had just been given Becca's old iPhone, so he was very excited to take his iPhone, which was old and about to explode. And he said, "That's it for Becca," and boom, tossed it into the Mississippi. It was a nice throw. Yeah. Kind of a sidearm, you know. Did it skip? It did not skip. But we were like, yeah, that was amazing. And then we realized that might have been a little preemptive. Yeah. SIM card was in there. And we didn't have Becca's Apple ID. 
Yep. Which means he didn't have a new phone. He had a phone that belonged to somebody else. That's right. So he was uh, stuck, but we got it all worked out. He's got a phone, and he left for Germany. So headphones are coming off. It's too weird, man. Why is our stuff stink? It's something about your computer, I think. Is it? Blame my computer. Well, at least we have It's American. It's a terrible thing to do. So the... um, the uh, Texas people gave us some glasses here in honor of our well, Texas that's folk, that's the beaver Texas nugget lady. Oh, it's the same person. Yeah, beaver oh, beaver this nuggets. Is, this is your favorite person in the world here. Well, she she definitely she definitely did you know steal my heart. So these uh, Texas sized shot glasses we're drinking out of, which are like uh, it says Yankee at the bottom, cowgirl, cowboy, and then Texan. I think I poured them to about cowboy. Yours is a cowgirl. That's kind of your usual. It's not. I'm at cowboy right now. Not a boy. You know, whatever. whatever There's ice man. in it. So. Whatever, man. Get so, off me. Get off, man. Lay off. He's just not in the mood tonight. To I'm not in the mood for these headphones. I, I thought we'd fixed it. Well, it's obviously my computer. Well, or you pressed the wrong button when you turned it on. Father yes, John me. didn't manifest. I said, <laughs> did you touch a button? And he goes, no. And then I like was pressing everything on the sound mixer. And then I said, did you press any button? He goes, I may have pressed a red button. <laughs> like okay, that's that's the button. Well, I got nervous by your tone, so I could just tell <laughs> you've eaten too many beaver nuggets. You have a problem. You're powerless before your addiction. I am. I might be powerless. That whole bag <laughs> will be in me, and without water, that is going to be a very interesting moment with the garden hose with you and me. <laughs> oh, that is truly. Get stop it. <laughs> <laughs> You're sick. You're sick. Stop. Take them away. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. That's it for banter. You're done. Oh, you want to? <laughs> There's got to be MSG in these oh, yeah. things. I can feel my heart like beating out of my chest. <laughs> All you want to do is eat your feelings right now. That's true. Uh, yeah. It's been a it's been a bit of a crazy week, wouldn't you say? There's been a lot of stuff. Well, going I down. mean, I pointed it out to to Father John. It was like, well. Let's see here. Becca took off. Then uh, Mike left. And then we had Steve Sayas left. Uh, Steve Sayas uh, going away party, which, hello, listener land, uh, ladies. <clears throat> Steve Saya, an eligible bachelor from uh, originally America. Somewhere in America. Somewhere in America. Uh, he is moving to Provo, Utah. That's right. And um, we said that he is not allowed to marry a Mormon unless she's already either on the way to converting or converted. There you go. So, or we're interested in finding the one Catholic in Provo. Yeah, if there's like any Catholic community in Provo, Utah, or like in Salt Lake City, let us know. Yeah. There, there is. I mean, like, there's a great, there's a great cathedral in Salt Lake City, and. Provo's got to have something. Well, we're missing Stevie Boy. So that's a great lead in. So smooth. It was like a wow. Like okay. A beaver, yeah. a beaver nugget. What? So are you trying to transition? We're, we are transitioning. Okay. We're folks. We're going to uh 1700,000 feet. Uh, please turn on your <laughs> cellular devices. The uh, nice transition. That transition had the sweet touches of caramel popcorn of uh, cheese curds 
And uh, what was the other thing I said? There's another something else in that. It's like the, it's like that sweet taste of sesame, like uh, on the back end of sesame chicken. Unbelievable! That really is. That stuff's like crack. You better stay away from it. But Catherine Wetzel gave me the business about Catherine's Anne Lococo's friend. Anne Lococo. You remember Catherine? Solar Eclipse. She came yeah. and saw it. She said, 10 minutes of banter, I can do 10. 25, not so much. And that was 10. That was it. We're moving. That was 10 minutes. We're growing together. Yes. The, the Seen pro- any good movies lately? The pro- <laughs> Let's go back and tell uh, Adam Sandler's stories from the 90s. The, um, no, All right, the, we're going into the topic. The topic is pretty lame, though, and pretty unformed. Well, Tohu um, Wabohu, as your maybe dad they, would say. Yeah, maybe they would enjoy the. Uh, maybe they would enjoy a little more banter then. A little more banter. They will in about five. No minutes. more banter, because if we banter, I'm going to have to eat those beaver nuggets. Oh man, no more banter. No more banter. Did you did you coin the phrase banter? I don't know. It became a thing at a certain point. I think you brought the banter. I think we were all business. The podcast would be over by circa. It's business. It's business time. Yeah. Circa 2008, before you came on, we'd be done. That's it. Okay, oh, man. Wait a second. Oh, never mind. I'll tell it on mine. Tell it on yours. Oh, we're doing two tonight. I don't really want to do I two. I don't really want I'm sorry. I just want to eat. I'm yeah, find, I want to eat beaver nuggets. I'm going to find you in that pool chair with beaver nuggets just covered all of you in dead rabbits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sick. Go to the lame topic. All right, lame topic. Here we go. So you already introduced the fact that... Uh, all of your friends leave. All of my friends, they all abandoned him and fled. You remember that gospel line? Holiday, <laughs> celebrate. That's you probably should qualify the. So uh, we didn't we announce that Becca Messel, uh, sister Gertruda, uh, uh, left Hans, Hans Gertruda. was going to left leave to go to the convent, and she she showed up for a bike ride, and Father Mike Rapp had uh, lost my bike helmet. Which I thought was returned, and uh, so I didn't have a bike helmet for her, so she couldn't go biking. Which I was actually like, of all the prudent things, of the imprudent things that you normally do, for some reason, out of all of them, you won't bike without a helmet. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know what? You might have saved a vocation that day, because my intention was to take her up in the Coal Creek Canyon, which I just discovered today, has no shoulder. Yeah. And is filled with very angry men driving probably intoxicated big Ford trucks. Yes. And I got caught in a thunderstorm. Yep. That was lovely. Yep. But I was like, you know what? Take me. That's all right. Yeah. Ready. It was a good run. I said goodbye to Andrea. Well, we... We reconciled our little lunch tiff. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting Anyways, there. Anyways, uh, so Becca couldn't, Becca couldn't ride. So then I was like, she said something and I said the line, they're losing their minds. And I'm reaping all the oh, benefits. benefits. Name that movie now in your car. Awesome! I'm so proud of the. We people talked that about named this it. two weeks ago. Seriously, the whole thing. Yep, it's all right. Oh, when repetition is the mother of learning. Holiday, <laughs> celebrate, celebrate. Yeah, that's okay. Kinda, that's so all theme. your friends are leaving now. We're at 12 minutes of banter, and Catherine still had to deal with it. 14. Sorry, Catherine. The uh, harmony. You remember when Steve did it? The um, so. Anyways, the title of this podcast is The Parting of Friends. All right? Mm-hmm. Still with me? Oh, rubbing his beard on his microphone cover. That's disgusting. I was getting a beaver nugget out of my beard. <laughs> Thank you. 
Sick. So, anyways, the uh, the parting of friends, the parting of friends. Steve Sale, my brother Steve moved to New York. Yep. Becca is in the convent, mm-hmm. and uh, Mikey left. Mikey left. And, Steve uh, went to Utah. Steve went. To Steve Utah. went to the temple. Yep. And so everybody's leaving, and I'm leaving here pretty soon. So the uh, the meltdown has begun. And as you know, as a good German, I don't do sadness. I just transmute it into anger and take it out on my close friends. Mm-hmm. Just put a bullet in their leg every once in a while just to remind them. Yep. Yep. You remember that? Yeah, I remember it. Where's this topic going? <laughs> so, other, other than getting whole listener land to make you feel bad that you are losing all your We're friends. working on that. So here, here's the point. I've been dealing with that, and then there's been tragedy after tragedy of real suffering all week yeah there was sadly um two suicides in littleton colorado this week one at a high school rapo high school and then one at powell middle school yeah we have had friends who have told us about um their wives being rushed to the hospital for um, high-risk pregnancies doctors saying to them you have a choice is it your life for the babies friends who are dealing with uh marriages that are kind of crashing right now falling apart it just feels like Everything's hitting the fan right now. Just one of those weeks. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the life of a priest is just filled with a lot of sorrow and a lot of pain. And that's why it's so freaking frustrating when people come up to you and they're like, why aren't you funny during your homily today? And you're like, I don't think I can explain you know, yeah. what I'm dealing with right now or what you hear in an hour of confessions. Sure. Right? A lot of sorrow in the human heart. And so... I want to talk about grief a little bit, but I don't really have anything profound to say. I would say this, though. We're actually going to do grief? Not grief. It's mourning, grief, sadness. Okay. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Just, no, I'm just, just go with it. I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it. You're in it. So here's the point. I'm like, people have real suffering around me, but when I pray and when I think about my own life... I'm having a hard time with the parting of friends, and that's a real sadness. So the question becomes, what do we do with that? Instead of suck it up and say, well, this isn't real suffering, right? The little things, family members move on, the little pains of life. A lot of life is not tragedy, you know? Every once in a while you have to deal with these these terrible tragedies. Or sometimes a lot. Or sometimes a lot. But I feel like a lot of life and a lot of the problems that ensue from it is from these little things that we just kind of bury and don't deal with. Hmm. When your brother moves to New York and you're sad and you don't know what to do with the sadness, so you, whatever, right? So I guess part of the point of this is to say, how do we actually let ourselves feel sorrow and how do we actually embrace it uh, in a Christian way? Part of this, you don't understand and are bored because you're Italian and Mediterraneans do emotions very, very well, I would say. Yeah. Do you disagree? No, they, they can be pretty erratic or inflated. But I would say that Mediterranean cultures in general let themselves feel versus those of us whose ancestors came from north of the Alps. Yeah. For example, as I told you, the German language doesn't really, and I say this on the authority of Joe Haight, who told me this, doesn't really have a word for sadness. Interesting, huh? It's like in French, there's not really a word for like, I'm so excited. I was asking Maria today, how do I say that? I'm just like really excited. It's so amazing. We're so excited. This is like American. French are like, they don't do that. 
Hmm. Germans don't do sadness. There's this word "taurig," but it doesn't it doesn't mean like you know uh, what we what we understand to be kind of sadness, sorrow, the the passing things of human life that kind of lead to these little deaths and these little mornings mm-hmm. um, that many of the times we just kind of bury and work with. So I guess the point of this is this podcast is not so much about grief or mourning or even real suffering, but it's about acknowledging the little deaths and saying, how do we actually deal with this? Um, well, it's interesting because, you know, uh, the Italians at least have a very robust image of Our Lady of Sorrows, like Our Lady, like weeping and, you know, the the... Pieta and the the Renaissance images or you know uh, Baroque images of Our Lady beneath the cross you know some with Mary Magdalene and everything but uh, the Germans have you know that uh, triptych of Jesus like on the cross mm-hmm. like in incredible agony mm-hmm. you remember that one yeah who is that but um. Somebody's yelling that they were not the same person that got Wedding Singer right, but they're getting this question right. There you go. Yeah. Um, so in some way, they ex- they experience sorrow, but not uh, not in the same way. And not in the same way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the the Italians have a way of depicting it or of emoting it, but the Germans have a way of. Uh, yeah, expressing it in a different way than the normal emotive pattern. Like even um, uh, the Passion of St. Matthew by Bach, mm-hmm. um, like when Jesus is actually like going away from his friends and like leaving them, it's like really sad. Mm-hmm. So, I well... I think there's a good point, and to say it's it's part of the experience of Christ, so it's the part of the experience of every human person. So, here's three different, here's your triptych, so to speak, uh-huh. um, of three people who kind of speak into this or have spoken into this for me. Um, two in poetry, and one in prose. All right, the three people are uh, Khalil Gibran. Do you know him? No. Is he a rapper? He's not related to Abdul Jabbar, or what's his name? His name is Kareem. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Khalil Gibran, and then T.S. Eliot, uh-huh. you know him. And then our friend John Henry Newman, and uh, his sermon, The Parting of Friends. So Blessed. We'll, get, we'll touch base on all three of those. How does that sound? Gibran? Who's he? Khalil Gibran was a... Um, he was actually... Um, so anyways, this is from Maria Masterson, my... Oh. Mademoiselle Masterson. And her friend Leslie tipped her off that we talked about her in the last podcast. So shout out to Leslie who listens to this while she's working in the laboratory. I think her name is Leslie. Laboratory. Leslie in the laboratory, I think. We'll see. But Maria is kind of also like coaching me through life right now because she's extremely, extremely empathetic and loving and receptive and wonderful. And she works with crazy homeless people, which was a perfect preparation don't te- you usually do that French. with all of your language teachers? They become you know sort of I your told counselors. Her, I told her that. I said I go through kind of an existential crisis every time I study a language, and uh, I get kind of rather pathetically attached to the teacher. It happened 
in Mexico, Mexico with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The German, not so much. They weren't having it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. definitely the Italian teacher. And then my wonderful French tutor this summer. But she read this poem. And uh, Khalil Gibran was a Maronite Catholic, but Arab. And uh, one of the great poets. In fact, I read today he was the third most quoted, read, published, I forget, um, poet after Shakespeare, and I forget who the other one is. So he's very popular. He died in the 30s. I think he came to the United States at some point. I don't know too much about him. Sorry. That's all right. But um, this is from The Prophet, which is his famous work. And he said, this is on on joy and sorrow. So I'll just read a little bit here, and then uh, we'll kind of unpack it, and we'll go to the next one. So he says, your joy is your sorrow unmasked, and the selfsame well from which your laughter rises was oftentimes filled with your tears. And how else can it be? The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy can contain. Hmm. Is not the cup that holds your wine the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven? It is not the lute that soothes your soul, the very wood that was hollowed with knives. When you are joyous, look deep into your heart, and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is giving you joy. When you are sorrowful, look again in your heart, and you shall see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight. I'll stop there. But I think one of the interesting things that I found when she read this and then going back to it was the interplay between joy and sorrow. Americans like myself, we like kind of a healthy therapeutic kind of pleasant life where everything's just kind of fun all the time. Everything is awesome, right? Um, But that's not the kind of classically the understanding of how human life works. For Aquinas, joy and sorrow are passions, right? They affect and they move um, within us. And it's about kind of how do we respond within them. And as good psychologists will tell us, don't moralize um, your passions. You know, somebody said that to me one time. I thought that was very helpful. Don't moralize it. Joy is good. Sorrow is bad. These are bad feelings. When you start identifying negative things with certain passions, affective movements, that's when we get in trouble, right? And so I'm a bad priest because I'm feeling sorrow this week. I'm not a happy, joyful witness to Christ or whatever mm-hmm, that might mm-hmm. be. Well, it's just kind of an intense few days. Well, you should be more grateful for what you have. I know I should be more grateful, but I'm feeling, I'm experiencing sorrow, right? The loss of a good, right? The absence of a good. And so what I liked about this mm. and, and Gibran's poetry here is to say this image of the uh, the carving, sorrow carving the well, so to speak, in the human heart that allows joy to deepen. So the deeper the sorrows, the deeper the joys that happen within human life. And when we kind of cut that, and we just say, nope, all I want is a superficial happiness. We actually lose the possibility of deepening joy as we grow through life. I think we've actually said this before. I don't remember which podcast it was on. But, uh, you know, God God hollows so that he can hallow, but never harrow. Like, the emptiness is so that it might be filled, not so that the emptiness might turn to uh, kind of uh, a scary 
uh, absence, but so that there might be a drought, so that there might be a reservoir later. You know, um, I think it's actually in the Desolation podcast, um, how to deal with desolation. But like, if you <clears throat> experience a deficit and kind of create an absence, that's only so that the the when you when you deepen the reservoir within yourself in that absence, then when the joy returns, then you can actually be filled more. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, great, I had what I wanted back. Right. So. And I think the deeper thing is to say that the uh, that I've been struck by the incarnation in a new way just the last few days thinking about, I'm just kind of astonished that God assumed humanity just looking at my own humanity and being like, you wanted this mm. in the fullness of your divinity. You chose this. You assume this, this is in heaven. Humanity is in heaven. Like really, you know, wouldn't it have been a lot easier to just kind of transport us and kind of make us angels. Um, and part of the uniqueness of this human thing is this capacity for sorrow and, and the experience, especially living after the fall, the pain of human life, that God would assume this. And it sounds very kind of cliche and very basic to say that, but it just struck me of like, I cannot believe the mess humanity is in my own self, my own heart, and that you actually want it, that you chose that. Like it's astonishing to think of mm -hmm. that, that God actually did that. So he chose a life where his human heart would be carved more deeply in sorrow so that he could experience the joys, the friendship of communion, and especially of a, intimacy with the father communicated through his humanity right he shared it obviously in his divinity but in a very profound way jesus went through this and experienced this and suffered this and somehow we're being invited to it with the the kind of the promise that this is actually how it works and when you're young i don't know i just turned 34 and it was a radically kind of like uneventful first week as a 34-year-old, nobody's like, oh my gosh, you are 34. You just made it past 33. Uh, and it's kind of like, yeah, what is this about, you know? Did she enter the convent on your 33rd birthday? She did, birthday? 34th birthday. Hmm. Yeah. So, and I had a wonderful day at the Naughton's house with all the college kids, and then we went out for drinks, and Father John Clockman picked up the tab, and... Uh, he, he bought most of the tab, but he picked it up as well. Father Austin Lickey, who never gets shout-outs, one of my dear friends, was there. A lot of joys. But it was such a weird day. Possibly, possibly, I'll say this, the most heightened difference between joy and sorrow that I can remember in a day. Hmm. My 34th birthday. It was crazy. And I gave a really bizarre homily uh, to the college kids about it. It kind of didn't really come together. It wasn't much of a homily. Licky called it an occasional sermon. He thought he was real clever saying that. But hmm. the um, I was I was kind of grappling through this, you know, and struggling through it. So, anyways, just uh, the confidence to say what um, Gibran is getting to here is to say that uh, sorrow affects joy, and joy and sorrow kind of play together. And I think that's kind of the. The basic point. So if you're feeling sorrowful like I am this week, well, just persevere through it and um, learn to uh, um, learn to trust more deeply that God is working through that. Number one. Number done. one. Number two. T.S. Eliot. You know this poem. Ash Wednesday. It's one of Gronsky's favorites. To care. And not to not care. Not to care. 
That's it. That's what we're going to hone in on. I'm sure we've talked about this in the podcast before, but I'll just read the uh, last excerpt of mm-hmm. the of the poem here. Blessed Sister, Holy Mother, Spirit of the Fountain, Spirit of the Garden, suffer us not to mock ourselves with falsehood. Teach us to care and not to care. Teach us to sit still. Even among these rocks, our peace in his will, and even among these rocks, Sister Mother and Spirit of the River, Spirit of the Sea, suffer me not to be separated. So the big line in there, of course, is uh, teach us to care and not to care, right? That the nature of human love is not just identity, so to speak. It's not just about all-consuming and complete union with the other, but it's about caring and not caring, right? It's about the proper healthy distance, um, which we could call detachment, but that doesn't really mean it. What it means is that healthy love is caring and not caring. There's an element of saying, um, I don't fulfill you and you don't fulfill me. And we acknowledge that in a healthy way instead of saying, this is it. We were just talking outside trying to remember who was the character in Plato's, one of the dialogues, um, where it's the two halves kind of complete each other. We think it's Plato. I think it's, well, I think it's Plato, but I think he's talking about Aristophanes. Aristophanes, okay. Yeah, I forget. But this concept of the other human person can... Terry Wright is screaming in. I know he is right now. Dr. Terry. We're a little... We've been out of philosophy. But um, this idea that the other person, that in my love, we just become total union and identity. That's not how Christianity works. Communion uh, is not identity. It's not just, I care so much that we completely become Mm -hmm. one. Well, in a sense... I'm not Jerry Maguire. You you complete complete me. me. Right. You complete me. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's, That's it. what people so, are hoping for. So learning to care. Some people listen to this podcast need to learn how to care. Learn Ooh. how to love. Some people on this listen to this podcast, myself here, need to learn how to not care. You're hurting your friends. You're you're making yourself suffer more because you give the semblance of love thinking I just care so much about this person. You're actually doing more damage to the relationship and sometimes got us to kind of respace these things mm. and kind of move us. I think the temptation, especially when we're young is just to say, we're just going to go closer, 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 closer as we move through life. But relationships are seasonal. They kind of move through and they pass through different times. They, they lay fallow for times. They're fruitful at times. It's kind of the nature of human life instead of this, I can control this and just move forward, forward, yeah. forward. People just want like relationships to be like one of those techno beats mm-hmm. that just keep going up, mm-hmm. you know, and like higher and higher and higher and, and then it just keeps going. And then at some point it's like, no, I need, I need relief. Mm-hmm. I need relief from you and from myself, from my expectations of you and uh, perhaps even your expectations of me. And then pulling back a little bit allows for... uh well, to uh, to be missed, you know, like to have another be missed. I mean, I made that mistake back in the day. It was just like, I'm going to spend all my time with this one person. Right. And then at some point it was like, this is insipid. Yeah. Like, and you don't really want to see me anymore. And I don't really want to see you anymore. You don't have to talk about our life here I, on the podcast. I don't want <laughs> this to be public, but uh, yeah. Now that you bring it up, I think you should well, leave. A- I think you should leave, John. 
I had a long talk with Father Evan Coop on the morning of my birthday, and uh, he quoted Winnie the Pooh. Ooh. Yes. I don't remember the quote I exactly. I love Winnie the Pooh. But it was something along the lines of how how lucky I am to have experienced friendship so deeply, or something along the lines of like, um, in such a way that it hurts when they leave. I uh-huh. know, it was very poor. Was it really Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Pooh, I guess. He my, you know, shout out, Sophia Goebel, my niece. Yes. The Nug. The Nug. I'm going to start calling her Beaver, Beaver. Nug. <laughs> um, uh, she got the part in Winnie the Pooh as... Never would have guessed it. I, yeah, I guessed Can- uh, Rue. I guessed Rue. That's Kanga's. Is there a rabbit? Yes. Okay. His name is Rabbit. She's Eeyore. She, I, nope. She is Pooh's stomach. Stomach. And she just goes, yum. Yum. And she has these like lines and she's really excited about it. And I'm like, you'll be really good at that. Yeah, girl, Sophia. Um, yeah, the, uh, well, I was trying to look, uh, Father John was being very patient with me because I looked like I was just on my phone. Um, but I was trying to find, there's a Psalm. I've been thinking about doing a podcast on it. It's, it's like my new fave, my new favorite Psalm. Um, but I don't know the number, so I'll have to look it up later. But, um, it says their bodies are sleek and strong. Why do the, why did the, why did the unjust prosper? Why do the unjust prosper? Um, and it's kind of lament over like the people who are, who do evil and yet they do better than the other people. And it says, why did the unjust prosper? Their bodies are sleek and strong. Uh, they have no share in other men's sorrows. And part of the weakness of humanity is that we all don't get everything that we want. And some people don't really want that in their life. So then they just say, I don't really want to be around those people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then somebody like, you know, you're french tutor or something is able to enter into just random people's sorrow because she's grown accustomed to entering into strangers sorrows right um and that probably gives her a capacity to go into her friends sorrows more and possibly even her own sorrows more um like you were saying like when people come to you with legitimate sorrows uh it puts our perhaps illegitimate and our legitimate sorrows in in right order that we actually say um yeah this experience with this person has taught me to care more about whether it's family life or my vocation or you know the fact that i'm in a dry house or i have water or i have food or whatever um but then other experiences will actually help me to see "Mm, i shouldn't care about that as much as i do like I didn't get my whatever. Like my friend, my friend wore the same color backpack as me on a mountain. Now it's getting personal. Now it's getting personal. Hmm? And Catherine Aaron threw me under the bus to you. It was amazing, bastard. Okay. So does that make sense though? Does that make sense? Here. Like that that it's actually a regulatory effect where uh, well, people people who can enter into other people's sorrows teach us to care and not care about the things that we should care and not care about. Right. I think that's true. Part of my struggle with not caring is not so much with entering into other people's sor- sorrows. It's more of dealing with my own. This yeah. is just me. Yeah. 
So the, there is a corrective like, oh my gosh, your life is so much more difficult than mine. Why am I complaining constantly mm-hmm. about my life? But I, what the reason these guys are speaking to me is because mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out um, how do I actually deal with these like pathetic little sorrows that are really, really pretty difficult for me. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Pour some of that bourbon into here because you're not drinking it. I'm drinking it. I'm pour some, just pour some in. I'm at the cowgirl. Just no. pour some in, cowgirl. Come on. Mm. Enter into my sorrows. All right, ready for the last one? Here we go. <clears throat> no, actually, I think that's a great point. I think that's a, I think that's a great point that <clears throat> there are some people who, because other persons care, uh, it allows them to not care as much. And there are some people who, in showing you how to not care, teach you how to care about the things. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, for us, the kind of, the golden mean was a very uh, erratic, and he was, he was from north of the Alps, but he's Polish, so they have a different, uh, they have a different way of emoting. Yes, Um and, uh, you know, Father Goronsky, he would, you know, find the things to care and not care about. Um, and sometimes you'd go in there and just, you know, be really upset about something and he'd kind of release you from it. And then other times you'd just be like, no, I'm doing great. Doing great. It's like, well, that's great that you're doing great. Do you realize that everybody else around you is in pain? Right. Like, and it's like, oh, sorry. Right. The uh, final thing I'll say on this, I, I would just say on uh, T.S. Eliot, is the hardest people in my life to love right now are the uh, the ones that I need to learn not how not to care. Does that make sense? How not to care not to so care. much about. Right. Because it's actually not love. There you go. Such an exciting, joyful topic. Number three, and then you're finished. C'est la vie. Then I can go back to the beaver nuggets. <laughs> Because you know it's going to be on like Donkey Kong. I'm going to strap. It's going to be a semi-nuptial act. I'm I'm, exactly. gonna, I'm out of here. I'm going to strap a bag to me like a like an oat bag to a horse. And I'm just going to sit in a corner and just. To care and not to care. I eat my feelings. I eat my feelings. Right. The um, But I eat them whether I'm feeling good or bad. Or, you know. And like we said, you have a very robust Italian affectivity. So you must eat regularly. Last last point, number three. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a sermon by John Henry Newman called The Parting of Friends. It's and seven pages, and I'm going to read you six I'm of gonna them. I'm going to read six of them. He gave this sermon when it was his final one as an Anglican to his parish. Oh, wow. And he was leaving. He was becoming Catholic. And they kind of everybody knew, and this was his goodbye. Huh. So it's a very beautiful moment in his life, 1845. Licky nose, sorry. But I'm just going to read two excerpts from it, and then we're going to wrap her up. Sound good? So he's talking about Christ's suffering, his experience of friendship, and then kind of passing it from the season of ministry into his cross. And this is what he says. He says, He was about to suffer more than man had ever suffered or shall suffer. But there is nothing gloomy, churlish, violent, were selfish in his grief. It was tender, affectionate, social. He calls his friends around him, though he was as Job among the ashes. He bids them to stay with him, and he sees him and, and see him suffer. He desires their sympathy. He takes refuge in their love. He first feasts with them, 
and sung a hymn with them, and washed their feet. And when his long trial began, he beheld them, and kept them in his presence, till they in terror shrank from it. Yet on St. Mary and St. John, his virgin mother and his virgin disciple, who remained, his eyes still rested. And in St. Peter, who was denying him in the distance, his sudden glance wrought a deep repentance, a wonderful pattern, the type of all trial and of all duty under it, while the church endures. Beautiful. Some of the most beautiful prose in the English language. So what he's doing and, and what he's challenging me to say is the way that he enters into sorrow, Christ enters into sorrow in friendship is not gloomy, violent, or selfish, or churlish. I don't really know what churlish means. Do you know what that means? Uh, churlish. I just remember it from uh, the substitute teacher. <laughs> but uh, he doesn't indulge in his sorrow. His suffering is tender, affectionate, and social. It's the kind of thing that draws them into that. And he shares it. And it's beautiful lines. He, he takes refuge in their love, right? Um, his eyes rest upon them during while he's at the cross. That friendship and communion is not separated by sorrow, but it's actually deepened, right? This is the depths of it being carved. Mm-hmm. His not caring, so to speak, because he was so intimately united with the Father. This is the kind of thing we need to focus on, I think. The suffering of Christ and the parting of friendship that happened in such a violent and unbelievable way uh, in the end of the life, the human life of Jesus. Without him getting bitter and saying, "You don't really care. Mm-hmm. You you guys you guys don't even get it. You don't even understand what I'm going through." He actually educated them in his uh, in his agony. I mean, he kind of demonstrated it for them, and even spoke it aloud. So much so that they actually, I mean, somebody recorded it. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's really. It's actually embarrassing to have to go through sorrow in front of other people. Uh, to to allow yourself to feel in such a way that you're showing others, I don't have what I want. I mean, there are certain times where like, you know, if you threw a temper tantrum at, you know, Chipotle because they ran out of queso or something, which I don't like. Um, Father John experiences suffering. That's right. <laughs> Father John experiences suffering, you know, outside of a trouble. Thank you, then one it's just, billion stories. Then it's just like, well, I mean, uh, I don't really need to see that kind of sorrow. But when you've been invited into the agony of people's lives, there is there's an intimacy in that, and a vulnerability, and it almost like short circuits the whole sort of. So where are you from? That's cool. Oh, you like, you know, badminton? So do I, you know? Like, instead of finding things that you can relate on, you actually, like, go to the heart. Right. Much, much quicker. Right. So. I spent the week listening to Iron and Wine's new album, Mm. which is amazing. Mm. But then I was like, I got to get out of this. And so I was like, oh, just listen to Bruno Mars some more. And it's just like everything, just the world, just money and women and all these things. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this none of this really satisfies. But the new... Iron and Wine album is good. You get into a bit of a sorrowful place. In moderation, I would say. In moderation. Be careful, you know, with that, Sufjan Stevens. But there's a lot of sorrow in human life. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to live it. Um, It it will bring seasons of deeper joy. Uh, It will teach you to care and not to care. Uh, And it will give you the strength to say, even the parting of friends this week 
or in the weeks to come uh, can be experienced as a little participation in the cross of Christ who suffered with tenderness, affection, and great uh, love for his friends. Hmm. He is the man of constant sorrows, you know. And he says, look and see whether there is any suffering like my suffering. So, yeah. Yeah. Suffer well. But in the end, suffer. You know, mm-hmm. like even Gronsky would say, uh, if suffering is so important, suffering it poorly is better than not. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't go looking for suffering. Uh, but if you keep your eyes out, you'll probably find some. You know? And I don't mean to be flippant. I don't want to be flippant or churlish or, uh, you know, impish or something mm-hmm. with the, uh, the people in the hurricane. That's legitimate, and uh, you know it's it's very difficult to understand what exactly is happening down there. Um, we were talking about that before. Like in Colorado, we only have like forest fires that we have to worry about, which can be really drastic and dangerous. Um, and then in Illinois, it's only tornadoes, mm-hmm. uh, which when they come up, like are you know devastating. But it's kind of over. Like you know, forest fires tend to last a little bit longer. Um, or there's like the aching, like, uh, is it going to hit? Is it going to, yeah. wind's going to blow? Is it going to go yeah. this way? But the hurricane seems to be like, it's just like there yeah. sitting over them. So anyways, I did say a prayer for you guys. Um, thought I'd be you at mass. I've been praying at mass for you. So, um, you know, if somebody wants me to send him like, you know, five bucks for some beaver nuggets, I'm, I'm down. Beaver nuggets. He'll send them in mass. Very good. Well, that's it for me. Good. Get some nuggets and let's do some shout outs. I'd like to shout out little Nora Siski, Addie and Eddie's daughter, who was recently saw a photo of Father Nathan and she smiled. And her mom says, uh, or her, Nora, who's I think four, uh, maybe, she says, Who is that? And uh, her mom says, That's Father Nathan. She goes, What do you think of him? And she responds, I like him. He has beautiful hair. It's long like a girl's and dark and curly. I was like, oh, Nora, you're the best. <laughs> yeah. Thank uh, you. Sarah King, previously Betcher, and her husband Drew, and their baby to come. Shout out an old friend of mine who listens to the podcast. Great to hear from her recently. And then Ann and Jim Cregan and their daughter Kathy, who brought us jam from Damascus, oh, Maryland. Got it. Yes, nice. They got you covered. They have... Wonderful people. Wait, did you do the shout out for their daughter? Yeah, their daughter is Kathy. At the St. St. Paul's. St. Paul's, yeah. In Damascus. In Dem- Did you say that? Maybe. I rarely listen to it. I know you do. Another shout out, Lindsay McLore, who is the sister of Mallory Champa from Clearwater, Kansas, who's listening. Fun. Shout out to her. I think that's it for right now. Okay. Um, first and foremost, um, we want to identify the mystery giver of the Beaver Nuggets. Um, her name is Sarah Forbes uh, and her husband, David. Uh, to my newfound favorite priests, that's plural. I found your podcast in March, March of this year, and power marathoned it during my long commute. She commutes for two hours nice. and finished them all in three months. Wow, that's we a new re- th- that's got to be a new record. We were thinking about that because, like, the early ones, like you know, that's like seven right. seven minutes, but then they get to twenty minutes. So, say the first ones average twenty minutes, so a hundred. 100 podcasts at 20 minutes is 200 hours. And then then after that... Or no, 100 no. podcasts at 20 minutes. 
would be what is it? <laughs> so anyways, divided by three. Thirty-three hours. Thirty-three hours. Thank you. Somebody told me never do math in front of other people. <laughs> yeah, that's um, it was whatever. a lot of time listening to us. A lot talk. of time. A lot of time. Uh, and then, uh, and then the later ones are a lot more. Yeah, that's right. Even more math. I'm gonna give up. <laughs> I'm, Just eat. Don't worry. I'm only at the cowboy level, or cowgirl cow level. Um, I started writing you all an email, which turned out into a novel about my life. And let's be honest, nobody has time for that. Um, she came uh, back to the church. Uh, we give really thanks to God for that. And it's a beautiful letter. I just think it's kind of private. Is this the uh, Texas glasses? And I, yeah, as well? I continue to pray uh, for y'all yeah. and all those who out there who may find equally. I continue to pray for y'all and all those out there who may equally find inspiration through y'all. I thank God every day for giving y'all the courage and gift to spread His word through this medium. Amen, y'all. God okay. bless Sarah Forbes. Sarah so Forbes. Sarah Forbes not only gave us. Four Texas-sized pint glasses, as we described earlier. Beaver nuggets from Bucky's. Your new addiction. And there's like a, a spicy one that I'm going to bust out a different podcast. Um, so this is the sweet one, which um, I knew that I would like right now. And they gave us two bottles of bourbon. Herman nice. Marshall, Texas single malt whiskey, and Texas straight bourbon. So, Very nice. Uh, thank you again for that. One. That's Number it. two. You only get nope. one more. Nope, last one. We're already at 55. Really? This one can be quick. Dear fathers, howdy from the great state of Illinois. Texas. Oh. We hope this letter finds you all doing well, enjoying each other's company, strengthening your brotherhood, and soaking in the majestic beauty of Colorado. My friend Stephanie and I met Father Nathan last fall at St. Joan of Arc and later at Red Rocks at the Gregory Allen Isaacov concert. Uh-oh. Remember Maria... Galliano. I wasn't at my best, Maria. Yep, that's part of our crew. Uh, Steph and I wanted to send you this little care package as a thank you for the gift each of you are to us. God is such an incredibly creative author. I could have never possibly imagined being ministered to, encouraged by, challenged, and pastored by four priests via a weekly podcast, one in Colorado and the other in Rome. You have made a great impact on my heart, especially over this past year. Uh, I laugh, I cry, I learn, and I'm more firmly grounded in truth i thought it's a trash i was like what <laughs> really grounded trash in trash also. you have to look no, at that's it that's um, thank you for slip. being good fathers many prayers paula and uh and stephanie so paula and flores yeah exactly paula flores she uh was the one that sent those donuts oh yeah the powdered donuts that uh you and the uh, minnesota crew powered through on your 14er and were with us at the Eclipse with yep. Pat Dixon, and uh, I made an eclipse within an eclipse because I looked through the uh, hole of the donut towards the sun. Yeah, it was an epic. It was an epic photo. An Instagram photo. So, Becca's anyways, list. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks, Paula. Thanks, and, Paula. Oh, and the coffee, uh, butter pecan coffee. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, that's it. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. And we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you next time. Peace.